What's going on, Coastal? How you guys doing this morning? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is CJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're joining us here today as we begin a brand new series called Run. And uh, let, let me just say this on the front end. I've, I've had comments in, in every service, and so I just want to set some people's minds at ease. I, I had multiple people come up to me today and go, TJ, you look really, really nice. Are you asking us for money? And uh, I, I'm not asking you for money, so you can put that, that aside. I, I just thought to myself, can't your pastor ever just look nice just for kicks and giggles, just because I want to look good? No, I, I, no. Okay, well then, shoot. I'm gonna throw this off then. I don't. Who needs this crap then? Nobody, nobody appreciates it. So then we'll just we'll just go without it then. Is that is that better? So, uh, anyways, I, I'm excited to, to have you. I really want to take that jacket off all day. You just gave me a reason to do it. So uh, I don't do. I'm used to a t-shirt and a pair of ripped jeans. So uh, it's it's so much better to to have some be able to move my arms now. But anyways, we're we're starting a brand new series today called. Run and really the the impetus behind all of this is is throughout my quiet time last year I I kept running into the word run uh, and and whether it was in the Old Testament the New Testament I just kept running into this word run and it, whether it was uh, talking about they were running somewhere or something was going on I just I kept seeing it over and over and over again and I don't know if you're like me but I, when I see something I'm like maybe there's a pattern here maybe just maybe. God is trying to speak to me, and he's trying to say something to me. He's trying to reveal something to me. So, of course, I'm like, God, are, are, you, are you trying to talk to me? Are you, trying to, are you trying to get me to see something that maybe I'm not currently seeing? And I really felt like God said, hey, TJ, this is an important word because this is the word for, for coastal for 2024, that, that, that the word for our church this year is run. It, it's just a simple word. It, it's run. And some of you guys hear that, and you're like, that, that's not a great word because I don't really enjoy exercise. Like I don't, I'm not down with running, but I, I think it's an important word because all throughout Scripture, you see this analogy between running and this life that you're living, like running a race and, and running your life. And, and there's this analogy that's happening all throughout Scripture, whether we realize it or not, recognize it or not, that, that you and I, we are called to run and the goal for all of us when it comes to our lives in this race is that we're to run in such a way that we would actually win the race and, and God wants every single one of us to embrace this race called life. Now, with that, I also felt like I needed to set this week up. There was something I wanted to speak on, which I'm gonna speak on, but I, I think it's important that I, I set this up a little bit with this scripture out of Habakkuk 2, starting in verse 2, and it said, The Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. And, and you go, TJ, that's great. It has the word run in it. Like, what does that have to do with me? And, and I feel like this is really, really critical because if our word for this year is run, then there's got to be something we're running towards. Like, there's got to be a place we're running towards or an object we're running towards. And I really felt like, it's important for me to explain this. And so when I think about vision, I think about like the, the front of a puzzle box. Like a vision is a picture and, and, and it says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. And so the goal for every one of us is to recognize that God has a vision for your life. Like God has a picture of what he desires, your preferred future 
to look like, a place that he wants you to end up, things that he wants you to do are a part of the picture. Now, the problem is, is, is God doesn't just hand us the picture. What he actually does is he actually gives us what's inside the box and he gives us pieces. He says, I've got a picture for you, but how you're going to accomplish that picture is you're gonna have to differentiate between the pieces that are out there and you're gonna have to put those things together in your life to create that picture. And, and the problem is, is that if, if you don't know what this picture is, then you don't know what pieces to actually utilize in life. And so because we don't know what the picture is, what happens is, is there are other pieces of other people's puzzles out there. Like here's a piece of a toddler's puzzle. It's an apple. And you see that and you go, well, I like apples. I would like an apple. And so what happens is, is you start running after these things when you're not mature enough to know what your picture is. And because you don't know, you, you chase after things because they look good or they look satisfying. You think, well, I, I like, I like, what is this? A lemon, a lemon. I like lemons. Like what, what, what piece of fruit is this? I don't know. Um, and you pursue those things and God's going, no, 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 no. I, I, I've got a picture for you. And you're not to pursue the things that don't fit in your picture. You're not to run after those things. You're to run after something that's so much more important. And so, so there's an analogy or a little saying that I learned years ago that I think is a super critical saying that I want to teach you. It's not in your notes there today, so you're just going to have to write this on your own. But I think, I think if you can get this, this will set up this series and this week. It's simply this. The clearer the vision the fewer the options, the easier the decision. Like, the more clarity you get on what this looks like, God, what does this look like? What does this taste like? What does this smell like? What, is this, what, is this, what does this feel like? What does this look like? Then, then all of a sudden, when, when the apple or, or the lemon comes along, you go, well, that's not in my picture. All of a sudden, the fewer the options, this is not an option because I know it does not fit in my picture. Come on the easier the decisions in life become. So now I have clarity on what I'm running towards and what I need to do in my life. Now, some of you are going, well, well, that's awesome. What if I don't know what this is? Then you know what you should be running to this year? To God to figure this out. Like this, like you, it's why we just did this entire series on prayer so that you can learn how to seek God so you can actually ask him, God, why on earth did you create me? Like, what is my purpose here on earth? Like, what is the preferred picture of my future so I can know what that is so that way I can have clarity. I can, when I have clarity on this, it makes the decision process easier in my life. And I believe that God wants every single one of us to get this in life. And, and so I want to start with that and go, man, God wants you to get clarity on where he wants you to go because he's got a race for you to win. And it's a race towards the vision that he's given you in your life. In fact, Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians. He says, don't you realize that you are in a race that everyone runs? Like in this race, everyone is running, but only one person gets the prize. And this is what he says. So run to win. 
I don't know about you, church, but I like winning. Anybody else like winning? Okay, a few of you. Okay, a lot of people in here like losing. It's an interesting crowd. I didn't, I didn't realize that we liked losing. I, I like winning. I, I'll never forget the first time that I decided to enter a race. I was in my mid to late 20s, and uh, a friend of mine had entered into a 5K. I didn't know what a 5K was. Uh, it's, it's five kilometers. I, I'm like, in America, we use miles. How many miles is that? They're like, that's 3.2. Why didn't you say you were in a 3.2-mile race? That would make way more sense to me. But they said it's a 5K, and I was like, I'll, I'll sign up two weeks before the race. Uh, I, I had not trained for this race. In fact, I was not running at all before I decided to do this race. How many of y'all know preparation is a good idea? And uh, I, I did not prepare. But when I showed up to that race, I looked, I looked like I was a racer because I had all the gear. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're not good at something, at least look like you're good at it. Anybody with me? Like, like Dion says, look good, feel good, feel good, play good, play good, get paid good. That's what Dion says in Colorado. And so I thought to myself, I knew this before Dion ever said that. But so I showed up, man, I've got the Nike tank top. I've got the, the shoes. I've got the compression socks. I had those like Daisy Duke running shorts that have the like slid up the side. You know, I know what I'm talking about, runner people. If you're not a runner, you have no idea what I'm talking about. There are these shorts that have this slit so you can run better, apparently. I don't know. It's weird to me, but I, I wore them. I was like, I'm, I'm in. I'm ready. And I got to this race. I've never been in a race before. And, and they start to differentiate. If you're, if you're a faster runner, you kind of go to the front of the line. And the slower people stay in the back so like the faster people don't have to run through you. And in my mind, I'm an athlete. I am awesome. In my mind, I'm still in high school and dominant. I am now in my late 20s. And so I'm my way up to the front of the line. By the way, at this point in my life, I'm about 240 pounds. Uh, so I am not a small man at this point. I'm, I'm about 182 pounds right now. So think about me 60 pounds heavier. I make my way up to wearing Daisy Dukes. It's awesome. Uh, don't picture that. It's disgusting. Uh, and so I get to the front of the line, and uh, I'm standing up there, and, and I notice these two guys, and, 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 and this is just my imagination, but these two guys looked like they were from Kenya. And so, like, these two Kenyan guys are next to me, and uh, they, 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 they hit the gun, and, like, you hear, Pah! And I take off like, like a hyena, like I am after a meal in Africa with these two guys from Kenya. I'm running as fast as I can. And I am at the front of this race. And I run like this with these two guys from Kenya. And I cross the first mile marker at just under five minutes. Yeah, if you've ever ran, you know that that is like flying. Well, my body realized that too. And, uh, And all of a sudden, it's like my heart felt like it was going to explode. Anybody ever had this feeling where your heart feels like it's going to explode and that you can't find a breath in your lungs where you're like, it's like a cat in heat. I don't know what it is, but that's what I sounded like. I, could, I couldn't move. I was stuck in that, in that position like this, just, just trying to catch my breath and my body's like starting to shut down. It's like my legs stopped working. I was like, I just was starting to go in the race like this. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to get my breath back when all of a sudden these people start passing me, which I, like if you wanna win, that's not a good sign. And, and, and the worst part is when the, the woman in the double stroller passes me, and I'm like, wait, 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 she's running for three people. What's up with that? They're like, come on, come on, TJ, you got you to gotta pick it up. And I, and I start running again, and, and I, I'm, I'm dogging it. 
because I'm dying, like I'm, I'm, I'm grossly overweight and out of shape and, and, and I'm about to have a heart attack, but I'm like, I've got to finish this. I set a goal for 30 minutes or less, 3.2 miles in 30 minutes or less. And I come around the, the, the corner and we're in the home stretch. It's like 600, 800 yards to the finish line. I can see the finish line. And as I see that finish line, at the same time as I turn around that corner, an elderly gentleman uh, runs up next to me who is like the biotic man. He's got every piece of gear on him. His legs no longer work. In fact, he's running stiff-legged because his knees do not bend. And, and he pulls up next to me, and he looks over at me and gives me like the international nod for what's up, punk. And, uh, and I look back at him, and I'm like, oh, no, old man, I'm going to kick your butt. And we take off sprinting. Like, I am dead sprint, and what I figured was a sprint at that moment. I'm running as hard as I can, and this dude is stride for stride next to me, just like high-stepping it all the way down. I'm like, what are you doing? Die, old man, die, old man. I'm like, sorry, it's, I was just being honest in that moment. We get 30 yards from the finish line. And he dies. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 30 yards from the finish line, literally, I kid you not, all of a sudden my body's like, nope. And I start throwing up profusely right in the middle. Exactly. Everybody's there at the end. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're watching you run it. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, like I'm in the middle of the race just hurling my guts out for like five minutes. It was like, I was like, I didn't even know I ate that much stuff in the last week. And then I had to do the last 30 yards of shame, walk across the line, and I've never gone back to that city in, in my entire life. How many of you guys know I did not win that race? But Paul says, whether we like it or not, whether you run like me or maybe you puke like me, we are all in a race and we are in this race of life. And some of us call it the rat race. And we're chasing after wealth and we're chasing after power and we're chasing after status and we're chasing after influence and we think that's the prize in this life. And you'll notice that Paul said, hey, listen, not everybody wins in this thing, but only one person wins. It isn't like the Olympic games where you have a first, second and third place, a gold silver and bronze, he says, man, there's only one award. There's only one winner. You think that Ricky Bobby said, if you're not first, you're last. No, no, no. It was actually Paul when he was writing to the church in Corinth. He said, listen, guys, there, there's, a, there's only one winner in life. And we're focused on winning because winning was all that mattered. Not like today's culture where everybody's a winner. Everybody who participates gets a trophy. We're all winners. No, 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 no. There are losers in life. There are. We aren't going to get to heaven and God's going to be like, hey, you didn't do much, but congratulations. You, you participated. Doesn't work like that. And the reality is, whether we like it or not, we're in a race. And here's what we have to realize about that race. You're in a race that must be won. You're in a race that has got to be won. And, and we're not just running around aimlessly after anything in life, but the goal for your life and the goal for my life 
is that we run this race in a way that we can actually win. And I think like a lot of people, we just want to survive life. We just want to be comfortable in life. But nowhere in scripture do you, do you see God live, lead people to easy, comfortable, complacent lives. Like you, 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 you look at scripture and what is God doing? He's always challenging us to go to the next level. He's always encouraging us. He's always building something more inside of us because he goes, as much as you think you can do, I can do even more through you if you'll just, if you'll just trust me with a little bit of faith in your life. I want to see you do something greater than you can see in yourself because I've called you to more than that. I've formed you in your mother's wombs. I've predestined you for some great things in your life. And so, so the question is, is how do we live up to that standard? How do we live in such a way that we win? And, and I think that winning is a mentality. In fact, Vince Lombardi said this, winning is a habit and so is losing. And unfortunately, some of us have gotten in the habit of losing and God's saying, hey, listen, today's the day that we change. Today's the day that we flip the switch and we go, hey, we're no longer gonna lose in this life, but we're gonna get in the habit of winning. And Paul goes, I've got some ways that you need to live in order for you to win. And he says this in verse 25, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. He says, listen, there are some things that you can do to make sure that you're not disqualified in your life, but you actually finish the race and you run in such a way that you win. And so I want us to to live that way, I want us to walk that way, I want us to run that way, and so what does that look like for you and I if you're taking notes today? Number one, you gotta run your race with purpose. Like, the way you run is determined by the purpose of your run. Like, there are people in this world that they run for fun. They're weird to me. Like, I, I, I do not find running fun. But there are people, they have clubs where they gather together and they talk about running. They go running together. They, they eat gel packs and run. Like, they do. Like, there's a whole subculture of people that run. Like, there are other people that they go out and they multitask while they're running. They're on the phone. They're listening to a podcast. Like, they are multitasking in that. And I'm just like, I, if I'm gonna compete, I'm competing to win. Like I've got, there is a big difference between running for fun, like la, 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 and running to win the race that you're in. Because winning changes the way you approach that race. It gives you some intentionality in what you're doing. It says in that scripture, they do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we, what do we do? We do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every single step. And the question is, is what are you running for? Are you running with a purpose? Are you running your race for temporary things or are you running your race for eternal things? And I think what happens for a lot of us because we don't have a picture of what we want in our life. We don't have a picture of what God has called us to. We look around at everybody else and we go, what kind of race are they running? Yeah. Oh, that, that life looks good. I want to look like that. Ooh, I want to have that. And so what we do is we start running their race. We start checking out what they're doing and decide, I'm going to run with their purpose. I'm going to run with their intention. And you don't even understand what that is. Let me explain it like this. Uh, during our 21 days of prayer and fasting, Shayla and I, I, I get up in the morning and I walk a couple miles, uh, like three miles in the morning. It's, 
It's, it's been a great cardio experience for me. And Shayla one morning was like, hey, I, w- I want to walk with you in the morning. I'm like, okay, you just, just, just here, I'm going to walk. You just keep up. And, and so we started walking. And, and what, what I realized is, is about uh, 10 minutes into the walk, Shayla was about 60 yards behind me. I actually didn't realize it until she came running up to me. And then I just kept walking. And all of a sudden, Shayla would fall 40, 60 yards, and I'd hear Shayla running up next to me. And at the end of it, she goes, hey, what would happen if somebody murdered me? I said, I wouldn't have known. Like, I just, I just wouldn't have. She's like, that's messed up. And I was like, yeah, but I told you to keep up at my pace. You're like, that's messed up. But it taught us something. See, Shayla is five foot three, and I'm five foot eleven. My stride, naturally, with no effort, is larger than her stride. My pace, naturally, is faster than her pace. And so, what happens in life is she's trying to keep up with me. Well, she wasn't designed to have my pace. She wasn't designed to have my stride. So what it's causing her to do is it's causing her to exert a whole lot more effort than she should be required to do. Why? Because she wasn't designed the same way that I was designed. She wasn't made the same way. She wasn't made to run the same race that I'm running. She's actually made and designed to run a race that she was designed for. And I think what happens to a lot of us is we look at somebody else's pace and we look at somebody else's race and we're trying to keep up with them. And what we think is going to be helpful is actually harmful. Because we're living in somebody else's patterns and things. And, and it, it, it's, it's actually this thing that when we start comparing ourselves among ourselves, what we end up doing is we end up destroying ourselves. Like, because that comparison of like, why isn't my life like that? Why am I not there? It is the thief of the joy because we haven't discovered how God made me and created me and gave me a purpose. We have yet to discover the picture that he has for me. And so we're trying to live somebody else's picture. And it will always take something from us because we're lacking purpose. Like, because you have a race. That's why Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, at the end of it, it says, let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. So we have to rid ourselves of the comparison game and go, man, I've got an individual race and I've, I've got to stay in my lane. And anybody that's been a runner in life that's competed against other people will tell you that the thing that they tell you to do in competitive running is never look at where your opponent is. You don't pay attention to what anybody else is doing in their race because the moment you look at them, the moment you take your eyes off of the prize, all of a sudden you get distracted and you lose. That's why the Bible tells us continuously, fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. Like, like we got to get our, our, our eyes set on the perfecter of our faith who's created our picture. And we got to follow after that. And it's so critical because the race you're running is important. And it's worth it. It says they, they ran for something that, that will perish. Paul was literally talking about, they did a thing that was the precursor to the Olympics. It was called the Isthmus Games, where they they would literally train for years for this singular race. And right before they would get in that race, if you were to read that Hebrews chapter 12, it says, let us strip off, because they would literally strip naked and run this race. You want to run fast, get naked. Trying to let anybody see me. I'm going to be as fast as can be. And when they would get to the end, you know what the winner would get? 
he'd get a celery wreath. You work that hard for something that's so immaterial. And a lot of us, we're working for things that are so immaterial. We're running after things that are worthless in the grand scheme of things. We're running after stuff that isn't valuable. And Paul's making a point here. Like, how worthless is that prize? The race you're running, it actually has an eternal prize. And so when you're racing, you got to think everything I'm doing is impacting eternity. Like everything I'm doing is impacting more than just me. Which I think is so important because the Bible tells us it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. You think, oh, it's just a little thing. It's no big deal. No, no, no. There's a reason I get up every morning and spend time in God's word and pray and, and fast and do those things. It's not so I can have a greater spiritual discipline. It's because I know that to be the man and the husband and the leader and the pastor that God has called me to be, and to be the father that I'm called to be, I've got, I've got to know God. Like, like I want to raise kids that, that honor God and honor other people and walk with character in life. Well, the only way they're going to do that is if they see me living that out first. So I can't just hope that for them. I've got to live that for them. I've got to be the example for them in my life. Like, like the way I treat my wife is an example to this. It's not just that I want to love Shayla and honor her and serve her. It's that I want a lost and dying world that thinks that marriage is for the for the bees, like I want them to realize that man, marriage can be meaningful and it can be enriching and, and it can change and transform your life because I'm experiencing it. Because how I run, how I live my life doesn't just impact me, it impacts all those around me. Because there are a lot of people that aren't in the race, because I know some of you are like, well, you're not supposed to be looking at other people. Yeah, but there are a lot of people that aren't in the race that are sitting in the stands looking at people. And they're going, that's the kind of life I want to have. The question is, is would they say that about yours? So what it should do is it should give us so much more motivation to go, man, I, I, I've got to run with purpose because it's not just about me, but it's about eternity and the impact on people. So how do you do that? Number two, you've got to run your race with discipline. You've got to run with discipline. Verse 25, it says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. Then verse 27, he says, I, I, another version says, I beat my body. This version says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. And I've just learned this in life that discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. It's between choosing what you want now and what you want most. Maybe you've heard the saying, pay now or pay later. We're going to pay. The choice is, is when do we want to pay? Like, you got to determine what value and price you're willing to pay. And I've just learned to get something you really want, you're going to have to give up something else that you like. And you can't sacrifice unless you have a choice in life. Is just a whole bunch of choices that get compounded. It's between choosing what you want right now in this moment and what you want most for the longevity of your life. 
And I think a lot of us are sabotaging our race based on the choices of what we want now over what we want most. Because if we think about what we want most, most of us would go, man, you know what I want most? I want an intimate, personal relationship with God where I know God and God knows me. And so what that means is that every day I'm going to set my alarm 30 minutes earlier. And, 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 but the problem is, is when that alarm goes off, you know what I want now? 30 minutes more sleep. So you have a choice. You know, what, what, what you see someone that's, that's in great shape. You go, you know what I want most? I want to be in, in great shape. Man, I want, I, want, I, want, I, want to, I want to have those things in my life. But what happens is, is you're driving down the road. And the hot and ready sign is on a Krispy Kreme. And what you want right now is a hot and ready Krispy Kreme. Come on, somebody. In Jesus' name. It's like heaven on earth. Where you say, man, you know what I want most? I want to be financially free. I want to owe no man anything except for the love of Christ. But then you get that email about that sale or that store, that, that thing that you want. You're like, but what I want now is a new car. It's a constant. And that choice is hard. Like, we don't naturally gravitate towards discipline. Because it is so difficult. Because we have a limited view of what our ultimate picture is. See, when we don't have a big picture view, we make small-minded decisions. Shayla and I, I recently turned 45, and uh, part of the process of getting to 45 is that I, I'm pretty sure my lifespan is not going to exceed 90, so I'm halfway through my life. And... Uh, no, this is, this is a depressing moment for me. We, we decided, hey, we better go put together a will and like put our affairs in order in case something were to ever happen. And I, I don't know if you've ever done that or not, but you have to think about things that you don't normally think about. Like if, if I'm mentally incapable, who's gonna make decisions for me? We don't have children. I started realizing, Shayla, you better stay in really good shape because you're gonna be taking care of your boy. Like, like you, you gotta, you, you know, like you... But it also made us realize, oh, man, we, we better start altering some things today because we want a different tomorrow. And so, so the decisions we have been making are not for the picture we have for 30 years from now. We started making some massive changes in our life based on what we want most over what we want now. And you know what it's taken? It's taken a whole bunch of discipline. So God says, man, you want to you run your race and you want to run in a way to win. You got you to run with purpose. You got to run with discipline. And then the, the third one is the hardest one. It's the most difficult for everybody. So number three, you got to run through the pain. You got to run through the pain. Hebrews chapter 12 says it like this. No discipline seemed pleasant at the time, 
but painful. Can we all get an amen right there? It's painful. It says later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. And I've just learned that pain is not an option in life. Like you're going to experience pain and I'm going to experience pain. A lot of us, we try to avoid pain, but all of us are going to experience some pain. And everybody's got to choose the pain that they're going to live with. You can live with the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. Like you're going to have pain. It's which one are you going to live with? But here's what I know. The pain of discipline always produces something in your life. And I've just learned that life will only change when you become more committed to your dreams than you are to your comfort zone. And nobody really enjoys pain, but pain always precedes progress. And if you're going to make progress this year, you're going to experience some pain. And I'm just, I'm forewarning you. I'm, I'm letting you know. The problem is, is for most of us, when it gets painful, we quit. When it gets difficult, we give up. And what we fail to realize is that it's in the middle of the pain that God refines and defines and challenges and character develops and creates and renews and transforms us into the man or the woman that he's called us to be. And if you ever study psychology, they tell you people ain't changed because of one of two reasons, pain or pleasure. And typically it's not because of pleasure. In fact, if you, if you, you talk to any runner, they'll tell you that most people never run far enough to experience what they call a second wind. And the reason why they never experience the second wind is because in the end of the first wind, is when you're running, you get to this place where you start to cramp up and it starts to hurt and it starts to become painful. And it's in those moments that typically everybody, what they do is they go, oh, my body's telling me I can't go any further. You know what? Your body is lying to you. Because we naturally, all of us are wired, hardwired to avoid pain. We just are. You think about it. Anywhere you go, you're hardwired. If it's pain, ooh, get away, get away, get away. And they say, like, man, if you just keep, keep running through that pain, what will happen is that cramp will go away because all of a sudden your body will realize, oh, you're not quitting. And all of a sudden you'll get this second wind, they call it the runner's high, where all of a sudden you have way more energy, you have way more stamina, and you can go exponentially longer than you ever thought possible. The problem for a lot of us is we think, well, if I experience pain, then it must not be God. No, no, no. A lot of times it's in the pain that it is God. Because they're, they're like, who in, who in, if, if you want to be like Jesus, last time I checked, he went through some pain. Moses, he went through pain. It's not a single one. But in the middle of the pain, here's what God would tell you. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Because at just the right time, what's that time? It's time when you're in pain. We'll reap a harvest of blessing if we what? If we don't give up. And I'm just telling you, most people, they give up during the pain and they miss out on the blessing. And the blessing is really in the pressing and the pushing. And it's right on it. Just a few more steps and that's where your breakthrough happens in life. 
That's why we, I keep going back to this picture. Because if you don't have faith for the future that God has for you, you'll have no power in the present to press through that pain. And when you have this picture, it's so easy for you to press through that pain because you know God will never forsake me. He'll never leave me. He's got me. He's called me to this. And I know it might be painful in this moment, but what is he doing in me right now that I can't see? And I know that when I get to the other side of this, that while in this moment it may be painful, on the other side of this, it's gonna be pleasurable because I'm gonna be more and more like his son, Jesus, because I've been refined and defined in this moment. And I get that some of you are in painful moments, but you need to press on in the hurting. You need to keep running in the moment because God hasn't just called you to start a race. He's called you to finish it. There's a story of the 68 Olympics that I found of 7 o'clock on October 20th, 1968. It's beginning to darken in the, the Olympic Stadium. They had just, the winner of the Olympic marathon had just been crowned with the gold medal. His name is Mamo Waldi of Ethiopia. And he'd finished the race about an hour and 15 minutes earlier. They were starting to empty out the stadium of the event center there in Mexico City. And as people were exiting, they, they heard sirens from outside. And the announcers over the PA system go, oh my goodness, we must have one runner left still out there on the in the race, and as John Stephen Aquari entered into the Olympic Stadium in Mexico City, the crowd gasped because this man was limping and he was bandaged up only to find out that at mile 11 of the 26 mile race, he had taken a bad fall and had dislocated his kneecap and separated his shoulder. And as he limped into the Olympic Stadium, the 700 to 1,000 spectators that were still there started cheering him on, and he limped his way around the track. And when he finally finished the race, he, he just kind of fell down in pure exhaustion. One of the few reporters that were there, they, they went up to him and they asked him the question that everybody was wondering. They're like, You, you, you fell at mile 11 and you knew that you had no hope of actually winning this race. Like why, why did you continue to run? Why did you continue to suffer? Why did you continue to press through? Why didn't you give up in that moment? And a quarry with quiet dignity said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start this race. My country sent me to finish the race. And I'm just telling you, church, God did not begin a good work in you to not complete it. Like, God didn't start something to not follow through on it. Church, we're called to run, and strong runners, they don't stop short of their goal. They don't stop short of their picture. And it's time for some of us, it's, it's time for some of us to, to get up and start running again. I know you got knocked down. I know you got, I, I know that church hurt you. I know that person abandoned you. I know that you felt like God didn't come through in that moment, but maybe, just maybe it's time for you to get back up 
and start to run again. And, and, and maybe, maybe you don't even feel capable of running. Well, start crawling. Start making some progress. It's, it, it, it's progress over perfection. Say, like, I, I might be knocked down, but I'm not done with my race. And so if I have to crawl there, if I have to, if I have to handstand walk my way there, if I have to, if, whatever you got to do, it's time for some of us to get back up and get into the race that God has called us to. Because he hasn't called you just to start it. He's actually called you to finish it. And he is the author and perfecter of our faith. And if we'll allow ourselves to be molded into his hands and allow him to work in our lives, he will actually do something greater than we could ever imagine. And so we have three choices. We can give up, we can give in, or we can give it every single thing that we've got, all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And here's what I believe God has called us to. He's called us to give it all we've got. And here's his promise to you. It comes out of Isaiah 43. He says, listen, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, listen, I know some of you are right there right now. You're in over your head. God goes, I'm right there with you. And when you're in rough waters and you feel like life is sinking you, he says, you will not go down. And when you're between a rock and a hard place, it will not be a dead end because I am God, your personal God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, and I paid a huge price for you. If he paid a price, he's got a purpose. If he has created you as a masterpiece, he's got a master plan. Let's get back into the race that he's called us to run. And let's not just run, let's run to win. Let's bow our heads and pray here, church. God, we thank you that you have called each and every one of us not to a mundane, boring, ordinary life, but God, you have called us to something special. It says you ordained us in our mother's womb. God, you put a purpose and plan in our lives. The Bible tells us that, that for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then he says, if you call on me, I will answer. Like, if you want to know what that plan is, God, the, my prayer is that people start calling out to you. That they would get a picture of what you have for them so they could run to it. And if they got the picture of it, God, God, that they wouldn't just run aimlessly, but they would run purposefully. That they would make decisions based on discipline of what they want most, not what just what they want now. And God, when they encounter the pain, that they would press on and press through so they can see your hand come through in their life. And they wouldn't take the glory for it, but they'd give all the glory to you. God, would we be a church, would we be a people, would we be individuals that would run after you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Running, not fixing our eyes on the left or on the right, but we would fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ, our ultimate reward in eternity. God, we love you in this place. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.